Welcome back to Baytown Engage. I want to welcome today a very special guest, lifelong family friend, Baytonian, Miss Helen Barat Timms. She has over 25 years of government experience in community and civic engagement. Currently, she is the Precinct 3 Community Liaison for Judge Joe Stevens. Please welcome Miss Helen Barat Timms. Please tell everyone about you because clearly I did not do you any justice. Well, thank you, Erlene, that I'm very hard to get used to the name as well, <laughs> as I've always called you Lisa. Yes. As your family has. Mm -hmm. But a little bit about myself. As you said, my name is Helen Barat Timms. And one of the things, I, I think I've given my own self a title to all of the credentials of the jobs that I've done is mainly a governmental executive. And in being that governmental executive, I currently work for Judge Joe Stevens, who's Justice of the Peace in Precinct 3, mm -hmm. and retired in late 2018 after serving over 27 years as a senior division director with Harris County Precinct 2. Mm -hmm. And in being there at, at Precinct 2, had the opportunity to really engage the community in which I grew up in, and that's McNair. Mm -hmm. and also get involved with the city of Baytown, bringing in programs, working with all across all facets of organizations are so important to our community. It is. It really From is. From the Black Women Awareness to the Top Teens, also the Greek organizations that are locally as well. And also, I'm a, I'm a proud HBCU graduate of Prairie View A&M University, and I'm a proud Baytonian McNarian mm -hmm. and a graduate of Baytown Sterling. Yes. Ma'am. And also I attended Lee College as well. Okay. So and and just gave those were my formative years that really produced the side of that I knew that I wanted a higher education in life. Growing up in Baytown, well going to school in Baytown, grew up in McNair, we don't discuss age. But you know Baytown well. You know the community well, right. the citizens well. You know how quiet we can be, how mm -hmm. loud we can be, and how divided we can be. Correct. So looking at everything right now with COVID, opening people's eyes to life they may have not known before. People have been losing jobs and living in situations they're not really used to. And now you have the unveiling of what's always been there, the racial unrest, the divide with economics and ethnic groups and society. So being that you've been here for so long, what have you noticed with the impact with COVID and the racial unrest and how quiet we've been with everything? Yeah, that in its sense, with us being quiet and what changes I've seen over the year, you know, this city isn't changing as fast as you may think. You know, one of the things that Baytown is one of the fastest growing in the region meaning by population. Absolutely. But as far as the, the makeup of the of the city and, and the communities, yes, the makeup and demographics have changed. But we're behind the curve on how we need to look at we're doing business and economic development for our communities. For instance, we have like, and I know this is an overused word, the new millennials and, and that generation. Mm -hmm. They're not going to want to live in cul-de-sac, three-car garages. They're just not the that, that generation type, you know. Right. So what we have to look at, if we could change that one thing in our community and, and we look at the, then we have to look at the low-density communities like McNair, Obeytown, some of the other communities that have not grown, but the de demographics and have changed. 
where people are losing their properties in those communities and, and not having an avenue to go to of how to save their property. Right. How do we save our communities? When you go through McNair, which was a which was a thriving, predominantly African American community, Central Heights, Ocadition, even downtown Baytown. We're right. trying to revitalize downtown Baytown, but it also seems like it's stuck too. Disconnected. Yes. Because if I remember correctly, McNair had a train coming from McNair to Baytown or mm-hmm. Goose Creek or Pali, right. and then that's gone. And then it seems like those areas that were minority strong were left behind and Correct. separated. Correct. And the growth of Baytown is only up Garth Road going north, <laughs> up Garth Road, and, oh, then go- every- yeah, north, and, north yes. and then everything else is left behind north. when the communities are really in the older parts and surrounding it. Correct. And that is so important because when you go through a community like McNair, where you don't, and you have Lee College that sits in their backyard, mm-hmm. when you don't even have a barbershop anymore in that community, mm-hmm. When you don't have regulations that are, because it is an unincorporated area. So we don't have the city services that provide to some of these communities. Right. But we also have elected officials and government officials and school districts that feed into those communities. So you, I would think that they want to have a better community in order to have better citizens that will be a part of all of those entities. We have to work together. Yeah. And working together means making some programs and making some changes in those communities that benefit as a whole. Now, how you do that, that's going to be, it's all about listening and engaging your community. You know, do anyone come and ask those people who live in those communities, what are set up a committee that says, what do you want to see? Right. What do you want? Because those communities are all a part of Baytown. And I guarantee you, it's not one person that sits on those community engagement committees that are from those communities that we're talking about that sits in and at a key player on that table. It's not a one. And I, I may misspoke, but I guarantee you it's not. We'll, we'll see, huh? We'll have to see. <laughs> but it's sad. To, and I think that's when you talk about community engagement, and that's a field you've worked in for decades, yes. obviously. Growing up in Baytown, growing up and living in McNair, but going to school in Baytown during a time where the divide was very obvious. Correct. <clears throat> Would it be safe to say that that? That was like what really drove you into your career? Most definitely. Most definitely. And it drove you into that career because I knew that the only way that we could, I could make a change in my community is that I had to get out and I had to go and get the education that I needed. And then one day in my heart, I always wanted to come back and help my community. And if you look at what I've done in Precinct 2 from starting the first youth program that they've ever had, summer day camps, summer camps for children, because I felt so bad a child came into the community center one day and that child said, I said, why are you, they showed me their report card, I said, why are you failing? What is going on in this class? Well, she had never completed a report before Mm. because she did not have access to a computer, a printer, the simple things that we take for granted in our life that we can walk in any room in our house and have access to. Right. So that's when I said I went to the leaders that be said, hey, we need a computer lab here. We need to be, have a place where these kids can come in. And the next time I saw that child, she was smiling because she turned in a report. That's so it's the simple things like that that we take for granted every day. I can go on and on with stories of kids from McNair. I took a child one time. We were on the bus and we were going out. Uh, I don't know what the field trip was. But one little boy stood up and said, oh, my God, the Astrodome in real life. 
they don't get out of their circle. They don't get out of their community, so they don't no. see that. So they don't see those things. So when we engage them, not only in the academic side, but on the extracurricular side as well, to see the cultural, to bring them to the children's museum that they only read about or hear about from their little friends in school. So those are the things. Then you talked a little bit about, about the big picture right. of what's going on. You know... One of the things that I can say is that people are saying now, how can I sit by one more day while matter that 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 has gravely that is unfolding right in front of my eyes? And someone asked me the question of what was the difference that with the police brutality that just recently happened? What what was the difference in that? You can name them all. You know, we had one locally, Pamela Turner, you know, George Floyd. Why was that so different? And I said, because we as a nation watched a man be brutally murdered in front of our eyes. So, you know, when you look at that and you look at long, long term of what can happen, and, and you asked me a question before this and you said, you asked me if Baytown had a had a Black Lives March. Yeah, I mean, it was funny because that happened on June 4th of this year and it was organized by a young woman, early 20s, right. um, Victoria Jackson organized it and with a few others, I'm not sure their names and I apologize for that. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting was I didn't hear about it until later on, but right. she was working with our director coming because because we were one of the stops in front of our hope oh, tree. Okay. And it was it, it touched my heart because that's something that we've never had before right. or seen before. Right. Very few things in this community has been geared towards people of color, ethnic groups outside of the usual things. So when that happened and it was so beautiful and peaceful, it just showed me that there is there's people here who care. Right. And they're young and they care, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And that we're able to come together, even if it was a small small crowd of a thousand exactly. were able to come together. So with you hearing about that and seeing it on yeah. the news, how did that make you feel that Baytown had a Black Lives Matter march? I was clearly felt that this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't put it in any simple word and said, hey, this is a big deal. And I was so proud because I saw that it was young people and I wanted it to be successful for them. And being successful, protests have been going on at least since our parents oh, days, yeah. you know, yeah. and protests have been effective. But when I saw one in Baytown, especially when it comes to Black Lives Matter, that meant so much to me that that we would take it, take that in, in, in consideration, mm-hmm. you know. And one thing that we don't realize is that protests do. They grab the attention. They are an attempt to force a conversation, and it did. And that's what's needed. Yes. Forcing the conversation, Mm -hmm. engaging those who feel they do not have a voice to speak up and people willing to listen. The difference, as you said, you know, we're seeing it, but I also feel with everyone being forced to sit down. I've said it. I'm so repetitive with it. We were forced to sit down. We're not able to move around and ignore and be distracted with, oh, the news, I'll turn it off. The radio, I'll turn it off. Everything is everywhere now. And being home, quarantining either for yourself (laughs) or taking care of family and friends or your furlough or you're working from home, the news is out there so you can't run from it. And I feel that's another layer of why the conversation is happening because now, oh, I'm forced, you know, your eyelids are being forced open. You can't run from it. That's the exact point. You know, you're forced that now the fact that you have to, that your eyes are, are, have open. 
not just yours. Right. You know, we look at now from statistics that I've just recently read, like 76% of Americans, of, of Americans, and 71% of white Americans believe that racism is a big problem. And one of the things that someone, I read about a story about a young lady, she says, just think, in daylight, we were with cameras rolling that protesters endured tear gas. They endured rubber bullets. And if police are doing these things that are in broad daylight, just think what happens in the dark to those black lives or, or the vulnerable. Yeah, the vulnerable. So it's society. We just, yeah. not just black, brown, but vulnerable yeah. society. The ones who feel they don't have a voice. Don't have a voice. Yeah. So protesters are changing and turning the casual protests into lifelong advocates. You know, so when you look at, I bet so many of these young people, and I, I look at it on uh, social media, who went out and, and said, hey, but it's an ongoing dialect that they have every day, and they want to make a difference in everyone's life lives and and it, they see see that it's a way to go about it now yeah. and and not a way in which we have have done in the past and I think what's that. beautiful about it is you know like you said they've been protesting and marching before our parents grandparents and they paved the way for us to be able to do it peacefully mm-hmm. and with with safety and it's just a way of expressing yourself letting you know that we need to be heard we're not saying right. all police are, are bad or anything like no. No, it's no. just that it's highlighting that there are cracks in in the system mm-hmm. that needs to be addressed, and you just can't spackle it. We Correct. need to either break it down and rebuild a brand new wall mm-hmm. with making sure that we're all included in the building of it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I just think that when they first started, the word when they say define police, mm-hmm. not disassembled. Not to take away the police in our cities, because we have to have law and order. We have to have law and order. Absolutely. You know, we have to live in a peaceful environment. But when we're looking at defunding police, is that just like the reforms that are starting to happen from having those and what the bills that are about to pass and legislation that are going forth now and those and the wording in those are stating that we need a database of those officers who have moved around from been fired or terminated from one police department to another and they're going and guess what it's the same ones so we have the good policing and they're making it bad for and the ones who are trying to do exactly. a good job who are really dedicated to their work and want to be there for the community those are the ones who are making it difficult for the yes. ones who want to do well because now the pressure's on mm-hmm. and they're feeling the pressure that one bad seed you know that right. one thing is like you have the ones who come in we have ones who come here all the time who care about the community who yes. want to help but then those few it's, and it's a small few. It's a small few. Yeah. And it could be in any, it could be in the race of people. It could be in your profession. You have bad doctors. You know, right now we, we're loving every doctor we have right now and nursing right. in the medical field yeah. because cause they're tackling COVID-19 yes. at, a, at an alarming rate. Yes. And and they're going, getting those out of retirement. But as you and I both know, that they don't have the best in that profession as well. Right. You know, right. some get complacent. What I feel that people sometimes do just like my retiring, you know, you have to know when you are effective and when you, you need to move on to something else. Yes. And a lifelong career for someone, that's a blessing. But once you get complacent, you're not as effective as you need to be, then that's what we have to take a look within ourselves. And un- unfortunately, that doesn't happen. And unfortunately, some go into a career because that's the last resort of any job I can get. 
they go in there to retire. <laughs> to retire. Yeah. But with your career, your career has been nothing but change. You have that is the blessing. You have just been <laughs> you bulldozing through with JD Walker, started your career building programs for the community. Right. The for those who need the most help, the youth yes. and the elderly. Correct. You know, and, and our then, veterans. And the oh, yes. and that's a whole nother conversation. Correct. And then moving on to being the liaison at the precincts, which is interesting. Yes, it is. Because that's a touchy situation. Yes. How do you handle that pressure of working in that environment but also being an advocate for the community yeah that's this has been a real challenge I thought it was going to be an easy job one I wanted to go into a position where hey guess what I don't have to supervise people anymore right I just got I just have projects mm-hmm. projects have a beginning and an end and I love projects also I love I dibble and dabble in grant writing and bringing funding into the area and I love the legislative side where I can go and argue about not argue but but mm-hmm. To, to fight for something that we need in our communities that will better serve our constituents right. and also engage with the community and public. So, yes, all of that is wrapped into one. But as, as you look at that, it's very difficult for me when I switch gears into this position because the law is a whole different ballgame. Yeah. You have the law on one side of it and you have, you know, someone, I, I deal with uh, evictions. Let's say that I'm actually going to have my first virtual eviction workshop that's coming up in July for the public and Judge Stevens. Okay. And eviction happens where even with Judge, I can see it in his face oftentimes where we could see that person who one check away mm. from homelessness. And then you have the landlord who's here. I have bills too. You know, I just yeah. renovated or, I, or new to this property and needing to do things. So it's a catch-22 just like in our society right now where folks are really having a tough time. Some people haven't worked since March. Right. And we're looking at that and we're saying, oh, my goodness, that's why when everyone was in an uproar about the bars and restaurants closing. And I'm sorry, I may be going off no, course, fine. but I wanted to share this because this is what's happening in Absolutely. courts right now is that individual coming in because they tested positive, but they don't have any symptoms. So why can't I go back to work? You know, I haven't worked. I haven't had a paycheck. I can't pay my bills, yeah. but I'm not sick. It'd be just like you or one of us having a common cold. How many days have we come into our office and were sick, but we came anyway? We came anyway. So now they're saying, hey, it's shut down. So do you blame this? Do you blame the owner? Do you file uh, against that person? So those are the things that we're seeing in a different way when you look at a JP court and then you communicate in with these folks, but also trying to look at how can I maximize to get to the most people the information out there. So being the community liaison, that is my job to maximize those. So that's one of the things like my first workshop that's going to be about eviction during the time of COVID-19. Would you say that during COVID, you've had to redirect how you usually would do things? And have you noticed a rise in compassion with the other side of the law when it comes to things? Because now we're not far removed from yes. everything. You know, some people tend to think, well, pay your bill. Black is yeah. black and white. But now it's like, wait a minute. Yes. You know, I have a friend who owns a business right. that depends on this. They can't. So what do they do? And I have. So, so it's it's almost the like, catch. yeah, I think the way everyone thought beforehand was very well, they just need to pay their bills. You know, you th- they, yeah, I, mean, I don't just, understand what's yeah. going on. And now yeah. it's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yes. I I'm furloughed. Right. I may still have medical benefits, but I can't even afford to get put gas in my car because I have yes. to really now my Manage. children are at home. So right. I think many people in your position have had to shift 
How do I get information out there now because they need this? They don't understand because now there's so many now who need the help. And I see the compassion of elected officials who are now, if you've seen all the mass food distribution, Mm -hmm. and I've heard on both sides, oh, the same people are coming through. Well, those same people have to feed the same family tomorrow. It's not going to change. Yeah, it's not going to change because they didn't have the money yesterday. So, yeah, they may be going to this food site, and that's okay. That's not for us to manage or say. So that's what you find that you have that in sense, but you also have those who are pulling together and say, hey, we have to do something. The phone calls are coming in and and not, and then not only that, we're having to set up of how we're about to redo business, even that in that true. sense. So we're having to have food distribution sites and work together with other elected officials, but like my judge, well, he couldn't get certain things in, the, the screens and the walls between and how we're going to do court. We, we put our heads together. Hey, we're going to have to, we've come to point now where we have the little ringer things and you sit in your car when your buzzer buzz you come in for your court day because we had to start back having court yeah you so we go had to too figure long. out how we do business it's going to be a whole new way of doing business and that's a whole new career <laughs> for anyone and you have to be that person that can think outside the box and then you're dealing with some when you're dealing with with governmental employees you're doing dealing with some that have been what what is a lack of a better word that is all they've done so yeah. they don't know how to think outside of a box they don't. and when you have that then you you have to know that you have to move on and you have to go this way with it and then you go over to your other colleagues and pull them in and let's say hey we got to go then you start making phone calls to other cities and other states what are you guys doing because that is one thing we're all in this together it's not just affecting like no. a hurricane come in affects the gulf coast yeah, it's them. So we get yeah. services from up here. We may receive <clears throat> services from Wyoming, Illinois, mm-hmm. you know, for, to Texas when we have a hurricane. Now we have a pandemic that's crossed. The United States, and not and not not only just in the United States, it's a national. Yeah. Would you say that? So now, community really isn't just your neighbor. Community is like you said, it's nationwide, nationwide. worldwide. Because no longer can you keep your mouth closed because we all need to be fed, right? Exactly. So you have to now reach beyond. Let me just call this department. No, let me call yes. this state because exactly. this state's doing really well. Yes. This me, state is a little bit. Ahead I have a of friend us. here. Let me call that person, and then exactly. you know now your reach is so much broader now. Yes. And then not only that, they have resources that they have moved ahead of the game. So guess what? I'm now able to receive some of those resources in that they were utilizing in Atlanta that now we're bringing here to Houston, to Baytown, and Harris County because they've been through this. They've met this gap in services. So now we're on the curve now of where our gaps. Because if you look at the news just recently, we're receiving now from New York the full full mask and the, the wear that's needed in our medical centers because we're now experiencing the overflow. The full, full of intensive care unit beds are all on overflow. Mm-hmm. So when we look at all those things, that's what we have to do. And that's where people, just an everyday person can make a difference. You Absolutely. Know? An everyday person, I, if you have extra and you're doing okay, order a box of masks online and donate it to your local hospital, donate it to your local nursing home, donate it to your local local community center, especially in our nursing homes. Right. I just received a call for one that's located right here in Baytown, and the cases, the numbers have went up here. 
mm-hmm. and we were doing good in our nursing homes for through this whole time since March and now we're fighting it like no to our and it's just really sad and then you have home providers that are going into these elderly folks homes who are providing care so they're bringing it into their homes mm-hmm. and then they're causing other family members who go yeah. and take care of that elderly person as well some issues that's how this that's how it spreads the spread that's so spreads. we have to continue that but back to wrap it up and back on the marches and and mm-hmm. black lives Matter, especially here in baytown we are going to have to really look at our department here i am what can i say i went through this situation with my son mm-hmm. and it was one of the worst experience in my entire life that I've ever been through as a mother, as a human being, and as a citizen of this community. I had to do a lot of praying about it and and a lot of soul searching of how do I continue to live in this community after what we just went through at the hands of some other someone. And it was unnecessary. And then it was all by false allegations that no one was willing to listen to us as a family. It was a picture that was painted of my family before the deputies even arrived at my home of who I am. And so I had to continue to pray even that night and beg my husband, no, we can't help him if you're with him. I need you with me over here. Right, right. So then as a mother, you have to, we were leaving peacefully, but it was just the, the extra dragging you out, dragging you on the ground. And then ta- I think they wanted me to see that. That hurt, to get a rise out to of get you. a rise out of my husband and myself, and we didn't give them that. We played by the rules, but what is happening that we're seeing? And I talk to a lot of young men that are my son age in their twenties who tr- do it right. They have lived right. They go to work every day. They go to school. They don't use alcohol. They don't do drugs. They've never been a part of this. And I'm like, what is it? They said we don't know because complying changes when you look differently. Every single time mm-hmm. you're stopped. Mm-hmm. I may be told you have given us, say, do this, do this, and do that. But when they're hollering these orders at you, none of that you've tried to teach us at home is being said. So we don't know today. They're telling me, put my hands out the window. No, keep them on the steering wheel. Don't reach down. Don't look down. Sit outside. Stand outside. Lay on the ground. So many commands. And so fast. And so fast. So loud, so fast. You're scared. You're thinking. You don't know what to do. You're afraid to shift. You're afraid to move. Yes. So, and and I understand. Then I understand on the side of the police officer. You feel threatened. But you may feel threatened in in a way, but this young man is threatened in a whole lot of ways, or young woman, Mm -hmm. you know. So everybody, the the, the emotions are high. Right. So we have to take into consideration that is where it's so important as part of the bill that's going out is called training. It's going to be so imperative that we expect more training. And, and the thing, the sad thing about it is that our police officers have to go out and do so many mental health. They're not trained mental They're not health trained professionals. For that. They're not trained for that. So the stress for them is the high The stress for them is high as it is because they're dealing with things that you and I, as a regular person, we're not bed asleep. And that person may be out there by themselves with God knows what is going on. So I understand that. So they're taking that from that day before. They stopped this young person on this day. And I'm still reeling from the night, night before, before yeah. because I have some mental stuff going on myself. But too afraid to speak up because of what will happen and I'm going to look weak in my job or whatever. We have to let that go about who looks weak. 
week. We have to let go about how I'm going to look to the Nets officers and that that good old boy system. We got they got to let go of that too. Yes, they do. And yes, and they do. You know, one of the things that I said last week is that yeah, we could tear down all the statues, we could take down all the pictures, and we could rename all the facilities. But hey, I think sometimes folks want us to get caught up in that and then lose focus of what we really needed to be working on. Absolutely. So that's what I hope in the dialogue that continues to happen. Don't lose focus, people. No. Stay focused on it. And and we're a society of a group of people who feel like, oh, yeah, I'm all right with that. The tree was cut down. The monument came down. No, but nothing has changed in laws that matter down the road for my grandson. We can't get easily distracted. Yes. We need to remain focused. That's, those things are nice. But like you said earlier, let's have the conversation. Let's sit down and have the conversation when we're able to have that conversation because everyone's aware of it now. Right. Those are little patches of things. Patches. It's not going to Perfect solve yes. anything because like you said there's stress on all awesome. sides of it mm-hmm. and there needs to be things in place to help those stressors and not feel you're weak or no one to turn to or no one to talk to across the board and sadly there has to be a reteaching to the children to the kids in homes or how to even which is sad but how to even maneuver the world because yeah. like you said it changes every time they walk around every time they leave out the door how do you stay encouraged you stay encouraged by you do see find the positive Mm-hmm. You stay encouraged by finding the positive and you stay encouraged by those little things like I was telling you. You create something where that little girl could finish a school project. You go to a school where you might see a child struggling. I, and I'm a parent, grandparent, just go in and volunteer. But I, my granddaughter gets upset at me sometimes. You're here to help me. You know, but you have me all the time, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. but that is another thing. School is going to be so different. Mm -hmm. And and we've had so many kids lost in the the shuffle there that now where they're going to be lost at. Now, how are we going to fix that? And we're losing funding on a daily basis to our education system that we need to have more advocate. We need to have more legislation done in that of where the school dollars are going. When you look at, I, I go to my granddaughter's school. She's the counselor, the nurse, and a part-time teacher. So she handles three roles at a school. When when, when you and I went to school, we had a full-time nurse, a full-time, full-time counselor. counselor. <laughs> And, and a full-time a teacher. teacher. Mm-hmm. I think that we need to get back to having that full-time counselor in the middle and high school because we're asking young people to make a decision about the rest of their lives. Even getting out of middle school, now they got to make a decision which, college, which high school I want to go to. And if you have people with parents that, that didn't have the ability and the knowledge like you and I may have to help make, help your child make a precise decision of where the course of their career go, they could be washed up before they even get out of this out of the saddle, yes. you know, yeah. out of shoot. I'm sorry for a different lack of a better word, <laughs> yeah. but but they could be. You know, your your life could be of so much of a difference. They'd be unhappy in all the courses they've chosen and selected to where they won't succeed in life, period. Mm-hmm. So we that's what we have to look at. And that's those are things that, that we have to fight for because education is going to be a challenge. Yeah, it's going to be. It's it going is to be going really to be hard. a challenge. And and so many factors that are going to have to be looked at coming up in the end of this year before school starts. I hope it's delayed so that They're we can continue to have more time to mm-hmm. review things. I hope that, and they are. I, I read every day. We have a great superintendent We have that's proactive. He's in and looking at things. We also need to, to look at how 
How are we going to fight for those dollars that need to come from our state? How are we going to make our elected officials be a part of this as well? Because TEA makes some decisions that I don't agree with. Yeah, that's the new thing they're talking about right yes. now, what they're trying to do. So. Yeah, so when you're when you're having a mandate with that, with TEA, but you have, just like in, in Precinct 2, that encompasses all the Baytown and Houston and the, in that area, we have 12 different school districts and just a precinct. You have four precincts. In Precinct 2, you have 12 school districts. And the one largest one that's in Precinct 2 is HISD. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at that, and then you look at the number of schools that are in those those districts, uh, elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, and the numbers, you know, those are little cities within themselves. Absolutely. So, we, so we're making a decision based upon that. So those are the factors that's going to be the whole wide range. So let's not lose focus. You have Black Lives Matters, the statues coming down and all of that. We have a lot of work to do as a society. We have a lot of work to do as a city. But we also must keep them separate and still work and transition toward the betterment of our community, period. Thank you so much for listening to Baytown Engage. Be sure to subscribe to our show on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. Stay tuned.